So we're continuing our series on prayer, wrapping it up today. We called the prayers of the saints. We've been looking at how Old Testament saints pray and what their old-fashioned prayers teach us about the new-fashioned prayers that we need to pray. And today I'm going to uh, look at um, a little snapshot in the life of a guy called Moses, who was uh, a leader in the Old Testament, used by God in incredible ways, even though he was used by God uh, reluctantly. And in his reluctance, though, he developed this incredible dependence upon God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus is right at the front, Genesis, Exodus 33, starting at verse 7. If you want to follow along on your phone or tablet or whatever, I would encourage you to do this uh, just to see that I'm not making this stuff up. So, uh, this Thursday uh, afternoon, uh, I was on a ride-along with the Pasadena Police Department as part of my role uh, as chaplain there. And this call comes in, and it's an unusual call. Um, I wasn't quite sure what was going on, but, you know, we went to investigate, and so we put the lights on, we came into the neighborhood. And the story was that there was this 18-year-old girl who lived in a group home, because uh, she had some behavioral issues that if she wasn't medicated, um, would manifest himself very violently. And she had run away from home uh, and didn't want to go back and was causing a disturbance in the neighborhood. So we went and we saw her and we um, kind of had to, well, let's say we, like I did anything, I was kind of touching. And the officer kind of subdued her and unfortunately, you know, put her in cuffs um, because she was becoming quite violent. And we took her back to the group home that she ran away from. And so we were learning more of her story and she really has to be on these meds to be able to function, um, you know, at any kind of level, and she missed her meds. Because of that, she was in just this big, um, dramatic thing. And so, before we take the cuffs off to give her her medicine, which she doesn't want, we have to calm her down. And so, the policeman comes and they try to calm her down like policemen do. Right? You need to be quiet if you're fighting cuffs on you. <laughs> and that didn't really get anywhere. She was still. And then the house manager came, who she knows, and, uh, you know, tried to talk softly to her and tried to talk her down, but there's been a, a long relationship there, and this lady wasn't interested at all. So everyone's kind of scratching their head, you know, what can we do to calm this girl down enough so that she can take her medicine and we can get back in touch? So everyone's going to look at each other, and I thought, well, let, 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 let me have a go. So I start talking to this girl, and you know, my number one goal initially is to make a connection, right? And the connection was that she goes to Winter Springs High School, which is where Bethany goes. They say, oh, Papa Gaff, the Sarah goes, the, the principal, you know Papa Gaff? And she goes, oh, yeah, I know Papa Gaff. I said, well, that's that was great. You know, I'm trying to build a relationship. We get to a certain point, and then she just kind of like, um, you know, revs up again. I said, okay, well, that doesn't work. I said, what, what do you like to do this time? So I like to watch TV. I said, you do? Cool. What are some of your TV shows? Any TV shows? 
And she said, blue clues. And I'm like, blue clues? Man, we've got to step back several years to get the blues clues. Right? And that's an interesting theory why, why that was that we needed to go back there. Because I remember blues clues. Uh, you know, I remember uh, Simon. I couldn't remember that at the time. I had to like, do that on the phone. But Simon, right? And blues clues. Steve, Steve, that's right. That's right, Steve.
people would call it a thinking chair, that's what Steve, Steve, Simon, would say. For the Israelites, the tent was the place where they went to meet with God. Some of us today would call it a prayer room. You ever seen the movie War Room? You ever see that movie? It's a great movie about a lady who turns a closet uh, into like a prayer room. And she goes in there and she meets with God and God does great things. Moses, in his frustration, has this tent, this thinking chair, this, this prayer room. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch as Moses disappeared inside. And my guess is that they were thinking, oh, that's good news. Moses is going to meet with God. Moses is going to be a better leader now because he's going to pray. Moses isn't going to moan and complain so much at us because he's going to go and meet with God. When we go to our thinking chair, prayer room, tent of meeting, it is a good place for us to be. It is good for us and it is good for those around us too. Because if we're not meeting with God, if we're not going to those places, then we are living lives that are distant from God. And when we're living lives that are distant from God, we're living lives that aren't helping anybody. So he has this prayer tent, and he goes to the prayer tent. Verse 9, as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at his entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. Right? So picture this, he goes in his tent, he's going to pray, he needs some direction, he needs to, to connect with God, and this cloud of smoke comes down. God, God has said, that's how you're going to follow me, you will see this, this cloud that will lead you. And that cloud represented the presence of God falling on the place where Moses was. It says in the book of Psalms as well that when we pray, our prayers are like sweet-smelling incense. And so often what happened in these prayers is the incense would be burned. You still see that today in some churches. And that smoke would rise. And it would create this pillar of cloud coming down from heaven and smoke going up to heaven from earth. And it was in that that connection, in that interaction, that God and Moses were able to communicate. You know where the band can, you know, the band can, you know, the drive through and you have the little tube that goes up and down, right? It, it was almost like the, the, the incense that was going up and the cloud that was coming down kind of created that, that tube that sucked up the little thing to put your money in. You know what I mean? That medical maybe not quite very holy, but it works, right? When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand out of respect and then they would bow down out of reverence in their own tent. Because their leader is going to hear from God, and more than anything, they are the people needed to hear from God. It is like the thing to me, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, get this, I love this, as one who speaks 
to a friend is one who speaks to a friend. Moses probably wasn't feeling at this moment on very friendly terms with God. And his people had just built an idol against God. They just said, hey, we're going to go our own way. Moses is feeling like a, a loser in every form of the word. And he meets his God. And he gets his track connection going. I just got friends. I just got friends. We've been saying throughout this series that prayer is to God as conversation is to relationship. If you want to be, if Alan and I want to be friends, we got to talk to each other. If we want to be friends with God, we've got to talk to each other. And when we talk, it strengthens that friendship. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. There was always someone praying. There was always someone in the prayer room. There was always someone on Thinking so Moses, this leader, has a prayer tent, a prayer closet. When he went there, people expected, people celebrated, people were grateful, a friendship developed. But what's important about the prayer tent is not just that he went there, but the way he went there. God did some great things in him. First thing, in the prayer tent, God equips those that he is empowered. God equips those that he is empowered. You know, some of you have been in situations professionally or, or, or maybe volunteering. Right? When you've been empowered to do something, which you haven't been equipped to do it. it it's, a, it's a horrible dynamic. It's incredibly frustrating. And in this moment, Moses, who has been empowered with this great task of leading, leading, leading the Israelites, is now equipped towards that. Verse 12. I love this. This is, this is so good. I so get it. One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people to the promised land, but you haven't told me who you will send to be with me. Say, God, I know that you've called me, but I don't know how we're going to get there. You have called me. I know you by name. I look favorably on you. That's very nice, God. Thank you. But if that is true, look favorably on me and let me know your ways. Well, one of my love languages is towards Tracy is words of affirmation, right? So I say lots of nice things to her, don't I, right? I'm very nice. Right? So now you're beautiful today, right? Um, but the problem becomes when my love for her is just wrapped up in words, but not in actions, right? And Moses is saying the same thing to God right here. He says, God, it's so nice that you look upon me favorably, but what I really need is a plan. It's nice, God, that you have called me. It's nice, God, that you have told me that I don't have a place in history, but what I really need 
If you didn't tell me what to do, and he's kind of saying, God, you appreciate what you're saying, but without action from you, that kind of empty words. Let me know your ways so that I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. He's saying, God, I want to be used by you, but unless you give me a plan, I'm afraid that I'm going to do something wrong and will mess up this relationship that we have. Remember that this nation is your very own people. Verse 14, in the prayer time, the Lord responds, I will personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. It's interesting that God picks up the Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses needs a rest. But the main point I want to capture here is that God doesn't equip us with a plan. He equips us with His presence. This is, this is really good. This, is, this has been messing my head all, all, all week. Right? Because it's hey, God, show me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And God says, it's not about the plan. It's about my presence. Well, Lord, how do I corral these people? How do I get them from A to B? How do we find this, this promised land? And God says, no, 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 no. It's, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And I want to take the journey with you. God equips us after He has empowered us, not always with a plan, but with His presence. And that's good news because where God's presence is, we have everything we need above and beyond anything that a plan to deliver. If God is with us, we're safe. If God is with us, we're strong. If God is with us, we have a hope and the future. We just got to invite His presence to come with us. So often we say, God wants the plan. He says, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. From Genesis to Revelation, this whole story is about God wanting to be with us. Genesis and the garden was so good because God dwelt with us. When Jesus came, He made His dwelling among us. In the book of Revelation, right at the end, it says, the dwelling of God is with man. All God wants is to be with us. You say, hey, God, give me the instructions and I'll follow. And God says, no, no, it's not about the instructions. Let's do it together. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Does that make sense? So often we ask for a plan when all we need is God's presence. Because when we, when we have God's presence, we have everything that we need. In the prayer room, God equips those He empowers. Verse 15, and Moses says, what if you don't personally go with us? Don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you are looking favorably upon me? Then the insecurity is coming out on me and your people if you don't go with us. 
For your presence among us sets your people a mere part from all the other people of the earth. Then the Lord replied to Moses, I will be, indeed be what you ask, for I look favorably on you, but I know you are made. In the prayer room, God equips those in power. In the prayer room, God establishes those that He loves. And I said to Moses, You're the man. And Moses was like, Well, I don't think I am the man. Because these people are doing the opposite of what I said. These people that you've given me to leave, they're so frustrated with me. And God says, No, 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 no. I have chosen you. You're my man, and I am going to establish you because I am with you. To here. First of all, Moses is a reluctant leader. Let me tell you, they're right. The best kind of leaders to follow are leaders who don't want to do it. Because they have humility, and they have trust, and they bring a collaboration that those who are driven by ego and desire just don't have. Bill, Bill helped me understand this one of his mentors a few years ago, said, don't trust a leader who's not limping. Right? Well, when, when we do, they often lead us in the wrong direction, right? The first thing. The second thing, you know that you are praying well if God responds to your prayers saying, I'm going to do what you ask. I have favor on you. And I know you. What a great word that is. That our prayers are in such alignment with God that He says, Absolutely. I'm pleased with what you're asking for because it's what I want in my heart. And I know you because you are asking for things that I want. In this moment, what God is doing. If you're saying, not only have I told you to be a leader, but I'm going to establish you as the leader before your people. He goes to the prayer room and is empowered. He goes to the prayer room and God is going to establish him as the leader. He begins this in verse 18. says, Amen. Then show me your presence. If the hope for me is your presence with me, then I'm in. So I want to see it. I, I, I want to see you. Because the more that I see of you, the more it's going to establish me, the more it's going to empower me. In verse 19, God backs off a little bit. The Lord says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one will see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. 
As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of this rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face cannot be seen. The third thing that's happening here in this prayer room is prayer tent, the sinking chair. Is that God is saying, I'm going to express myself to you because you are inquiring of me. I am going to express myself to you because you are inquiring of me. But God knew that Moses wasn't strong enough or comfortable enough or bold enough for God to look him in the eyes. He knew that the, the glory and the splendor of who he was was too much for any of us to see him directly. So he says, go stand over there. And you'll see me. I'll express myself to you. You know how God expresses himself? Down in verse 19. In mercy and in compassion. If we want to see God, we're looking for acts of mercy and compassion. That's why Jesus in the New Testament said, hey, whatever you do for the least of these, you're doing for me. And when you're separating the sheep and the goats, and so I saw you helping that person in need. I saw you serving that one who had nothing. I saw you clothing the naked and visiting the prisoner. And that reflects me because you're showing mercy and compassion. As my glorious presence passes by, I will call out my name, Yahweh. And he's saying there as I pass by, I am giving you my stamp of approval. You're asking God to express yourself, and God says, say, you're mine. This girl right now on Thursday needed to go to the thinking chair to change. You know what we need to go to change? It's to the prayer room. Because when we go to the prayer room, God equips and empowers us. He establishes us. And He expresses Himself to us. So my challenge today is simply to ask, where's your thinking chair? Where's your prayer chair? Where's your tent of meeting where you go and meet with God? The Apostle Paul says we are to live lives that pray continually. That makes a lot of sense, right? Everything we say becomes a prayer to God. But that thought of praying continually cannot be an excuse for us not to go into the prayer not to meet with God and to hear Him speak life to us and equip us and empower us and encourage us as He expresses Himself to us. Where is the prayer room? Where is the prayer tent? 
treasure chest? Where is that place where God can do for you what He did for Moses? 